0: and gents boys and girls it's time for episode 10 of daredevil hell's kitchen is rife with fever and pitch this episode is not sponsored by ballast point sculpin grapefruit ipa which i am drinking right now but it's not supported by that but i bring to you a huge fan listener guy that i met on the internet sam adams he's not a beer but he lives very close to me sam adams hey thanks both for having me and i've heard all the jokes <laughs> then we have the to make new ones as we work along this
1: yeah the, the best part is you hear them a lot when you're, when your family owns a bar too so
0: oh very interesting family owned and operated Speaking of which, we enter the episode that I predicted, in a sense, would happen, but I didn't know it was going to happen. And on the long burn, on the, the, I mean, look, this, this whole season was, I guess, came out in October of 2018, and here we are, oh, 2019 in June, and I'm still going strong. And I have not deviated from my path, which is I don't look at the episodes ahead of time. I've gone with it as we have gone with it. Um, I brought Sam on because he was, you know, he's a listener and a fan. And I need to ask you this before we even get started, Sam. What's your background with Daredevil?
1: Um, well, growing up, I was a big comic book nerd. Um, uh, my introduction was kind of, I was always a Marvel guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a big X-Men guy, so I grew up on the 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 Saturday morning cartoon show so you know very thrilled to hear that they're they're pitching Marvel to bring it back Um, I don't know if you heard that news but uh you know kind of got into the comic books after that because when there's only 10 episodes a year of a cartoon you kind of want to you know you want more so um started reading back issues and that was kind of my introduction to the whole Marvel universe I think when uh in the 90s when like the onslaught epic was going on that's when I really started seeing the crossovers like avengers and daredevil and spider-man and kind of would start buying other comic books and reading other things too but then like you know ever since uh, everything started turning into tv shows and movies i just kind of pick up if it's marvel i'm gonna check it out and even if it's dc it's like there's not that many of them i'm usually watching most of them i mean sure. i watched all. i watched all of gotham so i don't really have that much shame oh so you're <laughs>
0: you're you're into uh into, into self-hating yourself
1: Yeah, like I've, you know, I've watched all of Legion, which I think is very good, but I also I watched all of, uh, what was the other X Men show on Fox that they just canceled that it was terrible? (laughs) The one with the Morlocks in it. I can't remember the name of it now.
0: Oh, the one and, and, um, the guy who can scream Black Bolt. The Inhumans. No, no, not The
1: Inhumans. It was the other one. Oh, man. It has dragged me crazy. I'm going to have to Google it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Google is necessary sometimes. Oh yeah. Let's see. Cancelled. Oh, The Gifted. That's what it was. Gotcha. Okay.
1: It it was not very good. There were there was a lot of plot lines of I need to tell you something, but that other person in the other room can't know.
0: <laughs> well, it was the same with me. I was very uh when I cut into comics, um, I cut in on basically the Born Again series.
1: Mm-hmm. Which
0: I mean, If you're going to get cut in, that's the place to get cut in, but Cloak and Dagger was something my cousin was very interested in, and I thought the world of hope of that show, and I stopped after five episodes. I just couldn't do any more.
1: I, you know, I taped it and just ne- the more I saw previews for it, the more I just was not into it. And then I needed DVR space one day and it just it got it got let go. That's probably the only Marvel property. I haven't given a chance that or the runaways I haven't watched either. But anything else, I've you know, I've watched all of Jessica Jones, all of, you know, mo- I've, I haven't started the second season of Punisher yet or or Iron Fist. But all of the dare- all of the Netflix shows I've burned through in a weekend here or there.
0: <laughs> I've been there. I've been there. Except for Season 3, which I, um, I, get, I think, knowing what I know now, which is that everything's gone, I decided that Daredevil was going to be something special, as it always had been, and so that I have to go through it um, in an arduous way, one by one. Hell uh, be damned uh, <laughs> if I'm going to do it uh, in a... In a way that's uh short and in in like in the way we've always done it, which is you know by the month's end, you've heard every everything i I need to do it at my pace, and that's just the way it goes. So here we are with Karen, and we've been wondering, at least I have about this backstory of hers. Her father says, no, you can't come um, because she's on the lam and she can't get away from New York City and Hell's Kitchen. Uh, and why is that? And we are transported back in time way before she goes to Georgetown. And we've, getting, we've, we've gotten some matte and Foggy background and back-in-the-day episode um, sequences. But we've never really understood, where did Karen come from? And here we are. How do we start? Um, that's a good point. Uh,
1: <laughs> you know, because I, I, I thought it was funny. I thought it was interesting you brought me in for this episode you know, we were talking earlier just about how, uh, you know, my, my family owns a bar. So I've kind of been there where you help your parents out with the family business. And so it was kind of an interesting episode for me seeing her kind of stuck in this this small, like one road town, you know, look like a town that I've been doing Mount Shasta before where it's like, there's the one road with the three businesses on it Mm -hmm. and, and the rest are just houses and a little league field and everything and high school or something. So, um, you know, it feels like a, it feels like a real town if you've ever been to one of those, but, you know, I was kind of interested in this episode, you know, watching her struggle with that, you know, that weight between doing what's right for yourself and what's right for your family. But I guess we could just start at the party that she's throwing or throwing or at or leading or something along those lines.
0: We'll say at. Yeah. yeah. She is literally uh, what seems to be like the slightly older than the college level people, or she's in that age range, but she is essentially the, the deliverer of coke and all good things uh, that parties need, apparently.
1: Yeah, She does seem to be kind of the epitome of the life of the party at that uh-huh. first scene there, you know, pouring the shot down the luge and, uh, you know, the, the the uh, you know, taking uh, oh I had the, in my notes here. I had a good line for the, the guy that he takes back in there. And I was kind of I was kind of confused. Is she selling drugs and papers?
0: Um, I think you need to have the vehicle and the delivery. So, uh, yeah, I mean, why not be a one-stop solution?
1: So she's just a really entrepreneurial person there. So yeah, I thought I thought it was kind of interesting. She I thought she brought back like an emo M Night Shyamalan in the back, and then it was like, wait, is she giving drugs for papers or papers for drugs? But then when the second guy comes in, uh, that's when I kind of like, oh okay, she's just straight dealing coke here.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I I think they gave that illusion very slightly that okay, she's I, we can assume that she's in college with them, and mm-hmm. so I thought. Okay, we're setting up for, you know, the college sex scene, but that was not even remotely. I mean, it was it was it was a a deal that ends up going actually poorly. One goes fine and the other one goes a little sideways, which introduces us to her boyfriend.
1: Yeah, and I thought it was kind of interesting that she tried to take care of it by herself first and just gave him a good sock in the face. And I was Very. Like, oh. so, I was like, so Karen's been a badass since the start here. She's she's not just waiting for somebody to come save her. She's, she's not afraid to take matters in her own hands off well, the bat.
0: What, what I found interesting about the way in which they're depicting Karen at, in inside the TV show, um, which is that she's the drug dealer and not necessarily the junkie that she was in Born Again, which I've kind of enjoyed, um, just because it, it it just puts a little different spin on it. I can see where um, those that are very doctrine or- oriented um, may have a problem with it, but I kind of it, it it didn't fit with Karen's overall arc of, that we've seen from from season one and two, and I I, yeah. I, I like that.
1: Yeah, no, I I thought it was interesting. Um... I've lost my train of thought, but, uh, you know, I went back after the first season of daredevil and bought those kind of Frank Miller uh, Mm -hmm. anthologies, the, the, the big ones like born again. And, uh, you know, I read through them. Like you kind of realize when you get older, how quickly you can read through a comic book. They're like, Oh, that took, 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I loved them. And so I was very interested to see how they were going to adapt that for Karen's story this year, um, you know, with her, like, I, was, and I thought it was interesting. It's like, OK, so they've they've I, I think that that's one of the things that Marvel does a good job at, whether it's the TV or the movies, is that they do a good job of keeping the core traits of the characters and then changing some of the outlier stuff. Like, OK, instead of a, instead of this, she's a dealer at, at college and stuff like that. And I think it was a good change. You know, it's one of those things where they do a good job of adapting from the paper to the screen mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, updating it for whatever their vision is. I thought it was a good, a good switch.
0: What I, I kind of enjoyed is just on, on, on a character level with her is this boyfriend. Well, he lives in a trailer park in like a quarry, which I found interesting, but I, I could relate to the idea of, and this has come up a couple times in my life. But the idea of crabs in a bucket, which is, uh, for those that don't know, it's like the cra- if you put a bunch of crabs in a bucket, generally speaking, you're okay. Because all the other crabs will never let another crab get out of the bucket. They always pull every- everything down. And that- that's kind of where she is. Um, the boyfriend doesn't really want her to succeed she just he just wants her around and so and she's been obviously she's been uh led into Georgetown but she's deferred once which we get into but um the idea of the world itself not letting uh these people be who they want to be and <sighs>
1: Yeah. And, I, you know, I thought that was interesting when you we get in- introduced to the boyfriend. Um, you actually see him in that tracking shot when she's mm-hmm. going back in the bathroom, which or the bedroom with the guy in the beginning, which I always think that's really good when they do that, where they put people in before you're going to meet them. And you actually they are part of part of the world and everything. But and he comes in and beats the guy up and he almost has this kind of heroic moment. But as soon as he turns around and says Namaste, I'm like oh, this guy, like, I already know this guy's no good for anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I think that there's that's a little bit truth to that like he keeps dismissing call it every time she brings it up. He keeps dismissing it like, what are you going to do? Leave. And it's like, yeah. And she just kind of like just read like kind of that negative mindset of like, like, oh, I could never get out of this small town. And, uh, you know, just trying to keep her there. I think that's a good analogy for that.
0: Yeah, and obviously she's kind of actually double-shifting her life because she's has this air of I'm making this side cash and then at the same time trying to be a part of a family that's broken and obviously uh, ravaged. <clears throat> um, and so we, we bring her to the diner. Uh, she's already late and trying to fill the role more so uh that her mother left
1: Mm -hmm. you know one more thing before we move on about the boyfriend that i noticed i was like you know he kind of has this good guy moment of beating the guy up but like not too badly and i was thinking about it i was like yeah he's it kind of presents him as this good guy but he's also the guy that's making his girlfriend go and do the actual legal activity while he just watches from away so if it was like a cop or something he he could just bust in and be like oh what's happening she's under arrest (laughs) i was like oh i'm sorry oh total
0: pimp (laughs) and yeah, not exactly. in a good way like in no. the true pimp way
1: yeah yeah no just making making her do the dirty work while he lurks in the shadows and it's yeah. like yeah maybe i have to go sock somebody but that's not so hard you know yeah. i'm a tough guy
0: yeah absolutely
1: <laughs> but, by the way i loved how early that diner had to be open when the the sheriff comes in he's he 6 a.m karen 6 a.m and i was like man they that i I assumed her little brother was in high school and it was like Uh so he has to be there at like five o'clock in the morning to turn on the grill and chop up the (laughs) chop up the veggies for the omelets and stuff for this one for this one guy that's going to kind of have a sausage and eggs and coffee
0: (laughs) and and let's just be honest that sheriff was a dick
1: oh yeah no well you know Again, speaking to my experience with having to open up a, a, a restaurant and bar, we do breakfast on the weekends and open up at 7 a.m., which okay. I still
0: think is early. And I've, I, we used to but have. Now, customers now, if you that, open that up were, at 7. If you open mm-hmm. up at 7, what time do you have to actually be there?
1: Well, bar time that means six forty-five, <laughs> and so okay. we usually say that about the latest you want to be there is six thirty to start the coffee. I mean, we usually don't have breakfast that early, type of thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I mean, we had some of those re- usually retired guys, but we'd have some of those guys that would be sitting there waiting for you when you got there if you got there a few minutes late, going, "Hey, I'm ready for my coffee." I'm like, "Oh, sorry, sir." <laughs> so I kind of was like, you know what? That's that's true to a to an old guy that's that's used to his routine, and you know, I thought that was a good character trait even though yeah he was kind of a dick but (laughs) it was you know i think as we get older we we lose some of our pretensions about that stuff and it's just like hey i'm just telling it like it is
0: yeah (laughs) we're we're, we we are um hamstrung by our routine Mm -hmm. yeah exactly (laughs) and so you know i i try not to fall into this category but um there are obvious themes and undertones within daredevil one of them is guilt um Mm -hmm. and it seems as though uh karen has the same she has guilt not like matt necessarily but this guilt of this this weight that was put on her uh with her mother's death and taking Mm -hmm. care of penny's uh diner
1: yeah, and it really seems like when you break down, you know, when you watch the episode, that it's like the son is a lot more like the father, and she probably was a lot more like her mom, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. she, it's like she's probably feeling a lot more lonely even than those two are, even though and she's trying to keep everything together, um, you know, because she's, you know, she lost her best friend in the situation, and, and sure, her dad and her and her, you know, her brother are both sympathetic, and they feel terrible too. It's like well, they still have each other to lean on, and that you know they're both kind of still bros that are on the same side and so so she kind of really seems like she really feels alone like that scene when she gets to the diner she does this sigh that i'm like i've done that sigh before going into the office before i've I've been there where you're just like oh i don't want to do this right now but you know i i'm gonna strap on my boots and go do it because it's it's my duty you know so Mm -hmm. it's just so it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, you know, she has out kind of being a little bit wild. It's like she is still trying to be the good daughter and the good sister and and do what's right, even if it's at her own detriment. You know?
0: Yeah, I was trying to relate this to what we've seen of Karen thus far, and there there are a couple things that hit me within the last few seconds, which is why she supports Matt and Foggy the way she does, even in season one, and then but. The one that really gets me is her relationship to Frank. And that was always, in season two especially, that was very exciting for me, is that this idea that, that Karen and Frank have a relationship way outside of anybody else in the TV MCU. <clears throat> and almost, in a sense, Frank is her brother. Yeah, well, you know, it's almost like they're
1: they're they're siblings in that they have both experienced a tragic loss mm-hmm. that was totally unexpected and was too soon type of thing. Like, and we like, didn't even you know, know about
0: Karens at that point.
1: Yeah, and I, I was always I'm glad that we got this episode because I three seasons in I was like, okay, what's she carried all this guilt about? Exactly. Like, come on, I, I want to see you know. So I was glad that we got this kind of explainer episode. Although I was happy it wasn't the whole episode. <laughs> so true. Um, you know, so that we got some other stuff going on, because they really did kind of leave us at a cliffhanger with the last one with them getting the call that she was at the church and, you know, Daredevil wondering what he should do. And then, they, you know, they kind of bring us back to that in the middle here. So.
0: Absolutely. Totally. A hundred percent.
1: But yeah, no, I I didn't think of that either, that it's like Foggy and Matt were kind of like her dad and brother. Like she came in, she said, look at this mess of an office. Let me put it together. Let us get, yeah. let me get some phones and some computers and mm-hmm. some desks in here and yeah. make it look like an actual law practice. And she kind of was the, you know, the mom of the office really, you know, taking, taking care of them just like she did back home.
0: You know, we, as we're, as we get a little bit further and I, I'm, I'm jumping slightly, um, yeah. that she, knows her way around firearms and i can't remember if when she met up with frank if she was sh- you know she had shrinked back because of the guns we already know in season one she did murder and that was a huge um pivot point that we haven't really touched on until season three <clears throat> and, you know it's been in there and and latent um but I can't, i honestly, I'm curious if there is that point at which, when Frank kind of gives her a gun, if she shrank back. And I'm not—I cannot remember for the life of me.
1: I don't think so. Um, I think her her thing was more just, uh, you know, the indiscriminate killing that she didn't have. I don't think she minded even Frank being a vigilante. I think it was mm-hmm. just, you know, like when he was trying to kill. Uh, you know i don't know i feel like they have a witness they're trying to save every season <laughs> so yeah. when he was trying to kill like the one of those biker witnesses or something like that in season two um i think that was kind of more her thing is that like hey look if we could use this guy to take even more people down you just killing him is just rage you know and i i think she seemed like i remember her carrying a gun i thought it was season two is when she started carrying it you know yeah well this season mean- this season she's very like upfront of like You know, she she waves in those uh, those kids, those corner kids face. They're like Mm -hmm. whistling at people and stuff. And, um, you know, when she gets picked up, she, you know, very much like, hey, I have a gun. It's in my pocket. Like I have a permit, you know, so she seems very comfortable with it. So I don't. You know, especially the way she put Wesley away. I don't think she uh, has been too skittish about it. But it's, you know, it's also one of those things that, you know, could be like a little bit of PTSD, too. I mean, she may be uncomfortable with it at one point, but then there may be, you know, an episode here where she wasn't. But I don't remember one either.
0: Yeah. Well, they have this nice dinner and it's basically the unfolding of, look, you're getting ready to leave. You don't know it yet. But we want you to go to Georgetown. we want you to succeed, and that becomes really a weird pivot point where she is upset with not only her dad buying a new a new grill, which was you know 5k um, but the idea of like you can't do this without me and so for me, leaving ends this part of my life, and i'm not quite sure if i want to leave that part Mm -hmm.
1: now you we've now we've gotten to the point where karen confronts fisk in his apartment correct yeah i have to keep making sure that i don't jump ahead on so um i thought that was a very good like I was talking about earlier, a very good way of adapting the comic book of her letting it slip that to, to King, to Kingpin that, that, cause I always thought that was kind of a strange thing in the book that it was like, ah, she just needed some drugs and she told the guy and Kingpin found out kind of thing. And Mm so Mm -hmm. I thought this was a good way of kind of making it more of an accident and less of a betrayal and more true to how they built these characters up and everything. So I thought that was an interesting thing to throw in there too.
0: I, I think as a Kingpin myself, I like the idea of making him go off script. He knows what he wants to do and she completely, like, basically kind of fucks his stew and, and oh. says, look, I know you're emotional about this guy, Wesley. I killed him. What are you going to do about it? And yeah, no,
1: yeah, I think that's great because like she's you know, how how would she feel if someone really got in her face about her brother? You know, she she knows that he's that he's you know, especially he's prone to outbursts when he's confronted with something unexpected, which he's usually is pretty you know, as as much of a planner as we've seen him in this season, he doesn't have a lot of things happen that's unexpected.
0: Yeah. That was curious to me, just to throw everything off trail. And of course, it actually is the part of the, when we go to the now uh in this episode that he's willing to put Dex Devil in play just to kill Karen. When quite honestly it would seem like he would want to do that himself, but because Dex has been is basically now his arm or his hand if you want to get Game of Thronesy. Um he is he he becomes the the weapon hand of 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 uh kingpin
1: yeah and i think this is where he gets a little greedy i mean that he's he's been out you know they've kind of been out for the night they get this last thing and he's he he kind of wants to jump on it and he he kind of doesn't you know they clear all the cops out (laughs) now they they tell everyone to get away Mm -hmm. and they sends this one guy in and you know it you know kind of uh you know, it's interesting that it's. it seems like they're this is like you said, he's getting emotional and he's not he's not being the master planner. I think I think a a, a cool, calm, collected kingpin would be like, oh, she's at the church. OK, well, then go get the guy to watch her leave the church and then we're going to follow her and then we're going to be at the place that she buys the plane ticket to. And, you know, and I think I think that's how. That's how the measured Kingpin would work. But this is when you see him, the cracks in his armor is when he gets emotional and, you know, he knows that that's something that, you know, was dear to him, whether it's Wesley or Vanessa or something jumps up that he's going to, you know, kind of fly off the handle and and, and do too much. And that, that's kind of where you can you can find his weakness.
0: I think it's funny that you said the word greed. I've never equated uh, Kingpin with greed. and <laughs> but not in a monetary way. Yeah, in, in no,
1: that- I, yeah, I think he's more greedy in, in a, in a power, in a yeah. power kind of way where he, I, I don't think he, you know, when he gets, you know, his, his cut of things or something, I don't think he cares about the money. I think he cares that people go, oh man, I am terrified of this guy. We have to do exactly what he says. So I don't 100%. end up like, like one of them people in, in the plastic, you
0: know? <laughs> yeah. I mean. It was, you know, it's, it's weird to think about him. It's almost like if money wasn't an object, what would I be greedy about? And it's about these loose ends and about having it exactly my way. And when things go slightly sideways, then you start to see, like you said, the cracks in the armor and, and what he really wants. Because ultimately, yeah, I mean, he killed his own father with a hammer. And so we know that he's got these emotional, um, basically, volcanoes that can and will erupt.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I think that that's, that's, like you said, it's like everybody has, every hero has his, you know, powerful person has their strengths and their weaknesses. And you, this is where you really see his shine through, you know, it's he, and he may look at his rage as a strength, like when he gets to show it off in certain ways, or, you know, he seems to be very proud of the fact that he killed his dad. And, you know, So, yeah. and he, and, you know, that was a time where he flew off the handle and make a rash decision and it ended up working out. So I think that's one of those things where he doesn't see it. Uh, he just sees it as like a, a bonus that he's like, Oh, if you make me mad enough, I might just flip the table over and, you know, ruin everything. And it's like, well, you know, that, that may not, that may work out sometimes, but it may not.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, speaking of things working out in someone's favor, let me backtrack just a little bit, um, with Karen, Mm -hmm. uh, Karen goes on a bender with her boyfriend kind of all kind of, you know, it just becomes kind of a Coke and drinking fest. Um, and we didn't know as far as I can remember we knew something happened with her brother, but we didn't know exactly what and this shows us actually that that through line that of why her father denied her the ability to of uh, safe haven uh when she was looking for it and it has everything to do with uh she ended up shooting kind of winging her boyfriend and protecting uh her brother. But she's completely blown out and you know drunk and under the influence driving and kills him yeah
1: now i I was a little surprised that this was the big. I can't sleep at night. I okay. can't forgive myself incident because when I looked at it from her point of view, you know, her life's a mess. She's obviously kind of reached this breaking point where, you know, her family's telling her to do one thing. She thinks she can't, you know, she feels trapped because she, she thinks she had, if she leaves that everything will go wrong for them. And I was even kind of wondering who's paying for college, by the way, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I'm assuming she must've gotten some sort of scholarship if they're, if they, they uh, are filling out paperwork, like Absolutely. this, and everything, but, 100%. um, you know, so she's, she's obviously, obviously a mess and she's you know and so the brother goes and th- you know lights their house on fire and i was kind of like man that's pretty extreme measure for a 16 year old dude to go light a drug dealer's uh shack on fire mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and when he gets beat up like i, I counted it he takes like a like cuz at least i counted the the amount of times you hear the tire iron swing and hit something
0: right cuz usually only like- takes one hit with a tire iron and you are pretty much uh, done.
1: Yeah. So he gets hit. He gets punched a couple of times and hit with that tire on her like six or seven times. And so the way I looked at it, it's like, man, she kind of saved his life. And I don't know that he'd have been in any in any state to drive himself to a hospital at that point. He like he looked like he was barely able to talk or breathe. Right. And he's you know, he yelled out help, you know, when she veered off the road. But, you know, I think that was one of those things where I looked at it and I was like, yeah, she shouldn't have been driving drunk, but what are you going to do? Wait for an ambulance to get to this small town that who knows where the nearest hospital is? Or, you know, I think that she was doing what she needed to do in the moment. And it was, yeah, it was technically illegal, but it's not like she planned it. It's not like she's like, well, I got to drive my brother to the airport at six o'clock and I'm going to show up blasted. She showed up up and her brother had made a poor decision, you know, and, you know, really, Got blasted for it and then she tried to save his life and it didn't work out. Like I I didn't really look at it as she killed him. I mean she might have tapped the last nail on the coffin when she crashed the car, but I it I didn't look like, oh, he's fine and she just needs to band package him up or
0: anything. Right. And this brought me to, I think, once we got got through it and we actually hit the uh subtitle now. And when she's having discussions uh with Matt's quote father slash priest, I was drawn by the idea of redemption is real and you can have it and this is not the end. And we had to see where Karen came from and that theme, I will go on record as I usually do in saying that this is phase one of the redemptive arc of both Karen Foggy and Matt, I'm going to assume Foggy because Foggy at this point is his family is being pinned in uh, by Fisk, and so and I like to I like the idea of Daredevil's version of Redemption, which is not a passive one, but it's one that you have to fight for redemption. you have to <clears throat> you actually have to climb out of hell in order to receive that.
1: Yeah and you know that's one thing that was interesting um you know seeing Matt fight against uh Dex in the Daredevil suit it's almost like this literal visual representation of him fighting his kind of inner demons of like am I daredevil am I matt am I am I good am I evil am yeah. I am I killing people am I not you know you type are, of thing
0: I mean yeah. I mean I think that visual if you if you don't see it you need to watch the Karen episode again because he, you're absolutely correct he is fighting himself he is i mean that's that's really what bullseye is kind of lining himself up as which is this is what you could be yeah and you know
1: I, i'd like to give a shout out to anybody that writes directs or anything with a comic book thing a comic book show or movie or whatever I think this show does such a cool job at highlighting his abilities, whether it's him smelling uh, you know a carpet cleaning van or something yes. or um you know, in this episode, there's a couple of times where people whisper to him and it unfortunately distracts him in the fight and actually gets him beat up a yeah. little bit yeah 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 but, yeah. but i like i I love that about superhero shows, like I could do with so many less blue shiny light in the sky while we fight a zillion aliens type of finishes. I like to see you know, here's how I, here's how I would use my powers in the courtroom. Here's how I'd use my powers in everyday life. Like, you know, you know, in like an X-Men movie, Jean Grey spills her papers and then she stops them and then picks them back up teleconnectly. Cause of course, that's how you would use your powers. If you had them, you'd use them all the time. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing I think the show was really cool at doing is really highlighting the differences between like Matt and Dex, where when they're close in, Matt really kicks his ass and really is pummeling him but the second the dex gets a little breathing room anything that he grabs turns into a weapon whether it's a candle or a a pew or you know it's just kind of or a rosary the, yeah the rosary and he's and he not only just using the rosary and beads but then using the glass to shatter the rosary with and grabbing the glass like i i think that's some of the best stuff in the show you know that and like the office fight scene where he's throwing staplers and baseballs and right and pens and stuff and like right. i love i love that thought of like it's like taking that uh That a scene from uh, the Born Identity with the pencil and being like, okay, well, I'm going to do that with everything now.
0: (laughs) Sam, you're 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 basically putting the polish on the head of that nail. And the whole reason why, like, personally, I love Daredevil because Mm -hmm. he brings that element of, and and I say this so so softly and pillow talked, which is an element of reality of what mm-hmm. would a what would a hero be like? What would it be a superhero who has the loss of, of some senses but gained others? What would his world be like? And like what are his feelings? What are are what are his emotions? And and this is why I love Daredevil. I, and this is why I, I I take the time to go slow because I think it's worth it. I mm-hmm. season two, okay. Not so much worth it. I like ninjas, but, you know, it wasn't just ninjas. But, you know, people downplay that, that season and, and encapsulate it into more ninjas. I get it. There there was more to it. To be honest with you, the more to it for me was the birth of Frank Castle. And mm-hmm. that, that I mean, so for all of the bad things in season two, the good thing was Frank Castle.
1: You know, it's funny. I don't even. I, I almost like forget the actor's name. You know, John Baranthall. Because I'm just like, oh no, he's Frank Castle now. I, I hope Marvel gets the notice. Like, I don't care if they have to retire him for two or three years because of the Netflix contract. He should be showing up in the next time the Punisher comes. Because I just the, it's the a, guy is so a tremendous
0: perfect. actor, and I will I will put him not yet, but I can. I'll plant the seed that he is. Probably easily the next method actor, that's close to my personal, you know, favorite, which is uh, Robert De Niro. He mm-hmm. he is in that. He is traveling along that wave, and and if he does everything right and picks the right projects, and gets the right director, he could he's immeasurable.
1: Yeah, no, I've really been enjoying him in Punisher season two because I've watched like the first two episodes and I've been kind of following your slow burn pattern with it and not feeling necessarily like to jump into the next one right away. Right. Um, I've kind of realized that I, I get jealous of people that haven't seen like all time great shows because uh, I've literally just had like three of my favorite things. end this year, um, you know, Game of Thrones came to an end. Mm-hmm. Uh I just finished up the Deadwood movie, which isn't a lot of people's favorites, but I love Deadwood. And you know anybody uh,
0: that I've, I've heard talk about Deadwood at any level um, are infatuated with it. And I'm, oh, I'm curious so about good, the movie. Mu- the movie, even though I haven't seen the show, which I oh, think well, I need I- to see.
1: Yeah. You know what I will say about the movie is that if you if pe- people the Game of Thrones fans felt their ending was rushed, Dead Deadwood fans will say, hold my beer, because it felt like the movie was like, oh, this could have been a season. Oh, like, no. Where, the, where like about every 20 minutes. You're like, oh, that could have been an episode or like maybe one plot line. Like, oh, that could have been an hour episode. But I, I know that David Milch is sick. And so they're, I kind of am like happy that I got this. Like sometimes be grateful for what you get, because go back to a time when it was like, one Batman movie came out every five years. <laughs> you know, I, I, that's the one reason I'm sad that the X Men are going to Fox in this new Marvel Disney or this Disney uh, Fox buyout thing is because uh, is because now I know that we won't be there won't be that year where all the studios stack up and you get like seven superhero movies in a year anymore. Like those those, those days are over now that Disney ho- rules the roost. Yeah. They'll be like, Nah, we need we need to make some room for Aladdin. Don't worry, you'll, you'll be okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think. My... <sighs> you know if if we're going to touch on this um you know the one sad thing is that i know on my channel uh logan was never covered and i think that was a re- and well logan and and deadpool and you can put deadpool in this weird uh bucket of well it, yeah i mean it's it's a superhero movie but it's real crass and we can't talk about it mm-hmm. um I think that's a misnomer and a mistake. And I think Logan was as close to just absolutely glorious of an emotional movie that wasn't superhero was part of it, but it was not the all encompassing like end game version of of what superheroes are. It was about character and things that we can relate to. And that's where for me um, and I kind of, I'm thinking for you as well, is that it's these character moments and things that we can relate to on a very grounded level that makes sense to us and we can get emotionally involved.
1: Yeah, I think that's what brings me into a show is, uh, you know, I've told people the thing that got me into Game of Thrones. I was never a Knights and, and Wizards and, and you know, Lord of the Rings type of guy like that. Gotcha. I, I, I saw the first Lord of the Rings movie. And when I was like, wait, it just ends and they're they're on their way to go do something like I mm-hmm. booed it. In the OK. Theater. And, uh, you know, I was in college at the time, so I didn't sure. know very much about movies. I just well, like no,
0: when you're in college, you know, everything.
1: Yeah. Oh, totally. Right. I I go back and read some of my old blog posts and I just go, Oh, what was I thinking? Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, at the time I wasn't like it, but you know, I got into game of Thrones cause I was like, Oh, it's political intrigue and interesting characters. And I, I've come to around to realize that the big thing for me is if you give me interesting characters, whether it's something like game of Thrones or Brooklyn nine, nine, I'm going to sign up for it. Cause I'm going to want to see these characters, you know, have their adventures or whatever. And so I think that that's really important is, is fleshing out characters are really seeing what they're about or where they come from. And that's why I thought this was a good episode, you know, cause you really got to see, you know, you could see why, like I said, I, I see why I give Karen kind of a pass for her guilt and everything, but it's like, it doesn't matter what state you were in. It doesn't matter if you were completely sober and you were driving your little brother to the hospital and you got a crash, you would still blame yourself like crazy and feel guilty about it for the rest of your life. So you kind of see how that informs the person she is and maybe why she's uh been been able to stick around so much tragedy with dealing with Matt and Foggy, and them. You know, she's she's been able to roll with the punches pretty good, and it's, it's like, well, I've been through some stuff, guys. I've I've seen the shit.
0: Yeah, a hundred. I mean, I mean, you, you are literally preaching to the saved at this point, and and I hope that our um uh we'll call it our uh our our soliloquy here or duiloquy is um is is hurt because i think that there there is without character in, uh, investment you really don't have very much and for me i mean i'm willing to uh give daredevil a lot of passes uh in regards to that but it hasn't especially this season it is character driven and mm-hmm. and 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 that's that's really been the adhesive uh, that I found, especially this season, that I'm willing to say, hey, this this is exactly what we needed. We needed to know what Karen dealt with. And a lot of people might say, okay, well, this is uh, the shill of, of having a woman leading uh, a specific episode. I don't see that. And it's better than than just that posthumous um, episode. It, 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 it interlinks exactly what we needed. I wonder if they knew Daredevil was being canceled at the end of this. Because if we didn't have this episode, we really wouldn't, we would have a, uh, a quote, hole in what Karen was about. Yeah, no,
1: and I, I think that, I, like I said, by season three, I was ready to find out what was the, what was the backstory because, you know, from the comics, you know, she had things like drug issues. And I think that she was a, a, a porn actress at one point. I mean, mm-hmm. she's had some mm-hmm. really tragic things happen to her. Yeah. And so I was kind of curious to see, Oh, what was this? And I kind of felt really bad for her by the end of it. Cause I thought about that phone call she made to her dad. Cause she calls her dad crying. Like, can I come home? And he yes. says, no. And I was thinking, I was like, you know, I understand him being upset about it but you know let's say so she's out of georgetown she's gone to new york she's worked for a law firm and now she's a newspaper writer at one of the most prestigious newspapers in new york or even if it's like you know the third, the fifth most prestigious, sure. still, still the big city, you know. <laughs> so, and so she's obviously gotten her life together pretty well. Although I, I kind of laughed when I thought about how many times we've seen her and and Matt and Foggy have a have a couple of cocktails. I was like, oh, she she hasn't shied away from that, or she still likes to knock a few back every now and then. But you know, she's gotten her life together, and it would, seems like you would be like willing to kind of build this bridge and be like, well, I have one family member left. I, you know, I could see her right now and maybe we could build something. And he's just like, nah, you, you just stay there. I, I think this, this conversation, call whenever you want. I love when he says that. I was like, yeah, call whatever you want for this, this warm welcome from your dad. Just being like, yeah, whatever, Karen. That's what you do. You hurt people.
0: Well, yeah, and you know, this element of, for, of forgiveness. Um, and in fact, uh, the priest says, you know, whispers to Matt during the fight, um, forgive me. And, mm-hmm. but this idea of like, like I've got two girls and a son, and I can't imagine any length of time that eventually, if called upon and said, I need your help, even with all the history behind it, that you're not going to say, okay, come home.
1: Yeah, especially it wasn't like she was asking for a zillion dollars. She was just asking for a place to stay and maybe, you know, come home, come home to her old bed and, you know, sneak away for a little bit. So when you're not even willing to let him come sleep on the couch, it's like. What's the story? Yeah, exactly. So that's the one reason I felt like I was like, oh, man, I was like what a jerk. He's like, you know, you're kind of making it worse by, if anything, but I, you know, I also get it. It's just like, Hey, you've you've lost your child. And now, you know, especially it was the one, like I said, I think that's part of the reason that he was so harsh about it. Like she lost her number one family member with her mom. And then he lost his little buddy with his son. And it's like, it's almost like, he's just like, you know, she was already being kind of, you know, on the outs with the family, with the way she was treating them with the lotto ticket and, you know, being a little bit, being a little bit harsh towards him and everything and then it's like so then this happens and it just probably but it seems like you know seven years later (laughs) you'd be like oh well here's my second chance and he just passes it up and and you feel bad for her in that moment because just like oh man it's doesn't even want her to come home and then has to have a little dig for her at the end of the call but um you know i like that you brought up Father Lantham, because uh, he's one of my favorite characters in the show. Because I feel like a lot of lesser shows would just have a random priest behind a screen that that Matt confesses to and never really move into it. And yet here's this guy that has been kind of a father figure to him since when he was a little kid. And you know, you know, still, I thought it was interesting rewatching this season how he was really kind of rooting for him to get back out there as Daredevil. Like he Mm kind of kept encouraging. I'm like, you don't know, you know, you don't know. Let yourself heal and everything. And I thought that was really interesting. Like, and looking back on it. It's like, oh, he feels so bad he took his mother away and then this kid lost his father. He's had this kind of guilty, you know, like I have to I have to fill these shoes mentorship with him. I mean, maybe that he didn't Not so much guilt as he would have done it anyways, but maybe that brought them closer together. And uh, I I was really you know, it's it seems like when they really get you to love a character in the show, that's when they take him away. Like I I was really bummed when they killed Ben Urich in the first season. I was like, no. So um, when he stepped in front, I I was expecting Karen to die there because that's I believe that's how she dies in the comic books is uh, in a church by the hands of bullseye. Yeah. And so spoilers for a comic book from 1999, I, this, this episode, I looked this up, this episode actually ends on Karen holding Matt. And it's a, it's an opposite of the, the cover of uh, daredevil volume two, number five, written by Kevin Smith, where she dies and daredevil's holding Karen. But it was just the inverse of that for this end of this episode.
0: And that's where I think this, I, again, I, I, t- I talk about this show as if, you know, I I hold the show in different regard um than other shows that I have talked about because it's so personal to me and I accept the changes that they've done over time and 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 the and the, and the little things because it's done well. It hasn't been done in a way that um uh, external forces, let's say, would have liked this this show to have gone, and, mm-hmm. and they and they've planted their flag, and they know, net, not necessarily their audience, but they're making something compelling for me, whether I wanted it or not. Yeah, um, well,
1: I think they do a good job of making sure that when they have somebody say something, it actually matters in real life, oh, maybe not just for the show. That? Yeah, so I mean, like, you know, uh, you know, I've watched a lot of the Flash shows. How often does someone give like an inspirational speech where it's just, yeah, it would be inspiring to that guy in that second, but maybe you can't relate to it. Meanwhile, I have a good quote from Father Lantham when he's giving that sermon. He says, everybody is fighting a battle of their own that you can't see. He carries the same, and, and I, I thought that was a really, kind of great line Mm -hmm. that i was like oh you know you you, we all get wrapped up in our own stuff sometimes and i've learned this lesson from different (laughs) different sources of media that i don't want to get into you know in the past where i go like see a stupid movie and you go oh yeah everybody's got their own burden everybody's got their own problems right now like you may be going through something but everybody else is too and you have to remember that no matter how perfect someone's life seems you know they got a family member that hates them like karen or they got a you know they got a. You know, family business that's not working out or they got, you know, they got some kind of stress that you don't know. And it's like one of those things where when you can learn it, but you can get a piece of life advice
0: from a comic book show. It's like somebody's doing something right. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Like, like the next time you're on the 101 and somebody flips you the bird, realize that they might have something going on that you're not aware of. Mm-hmm. They may be on their way to: to, to go see
1: a, Yeah, they might be on their way to go see a family member in the hospital, or they might be taking themselves to the hospital or yep. something you know you never know. so uh,
0: The one thing that I came strongly, like I was just thinking about in, in, the, in the idea of tropes.: mm-hmm. Matt is not in love with Karen: Le- Not in the way that we saw in the comics. Yeah, I don't
1: think he's gotten a chance to. I think he yeah. I think he could and I think that he loves her in a way. But I think that they're, you know, by the way this has gone, their their little kind of romance was it season two where they started to kind of get flirty and yes. go out a little bit and it just never really materialized. And that was one thing I always thought was kind of a bummer about the segue into um the defenders was that it really just dropped almost every other show's storyline to do the defenders and i was kind of like oh so we're tuning in this thing and it's supposed to be after the events of this but yet we're not going to address that matt told karen he's daredevil we're just going to wait till daredevil season three for that like okay you know so, so just stuff like that where you know that that was where i think they kind of had a misstep where they I've, didn't I've, connect I've, it
0: as well as they should have. Yeah, I've never said this publicly, but Defenders was almost, almost um, if Greg Berlanti had gotten a hold of the MCU. <laughs> that's
1: that's not bad, you know, very, just kind of a very thin premise to get everybody on screen together and yeah. kick, kick, kicking the same people. Yeah, yeah. I can see that.
0: Yeah, I it, it, it's it's odd. Um I just, I, I really like, I, I th- and I think, if I'm, I'm being predictive at this point, that mm. we are seeing uh, the redemption arc between Karen and Foggy and Matt uh, coming out of this. Because Matt, for the most part, through this entire season, has walled himself off. And now, Karen is now joined the team. He kind of has brought Foggy in. Um, <clears throat> So that's all. That's already it ha- has happened. But now it looks like the three of them are now kind of united in an Avengers sort of way to fight uh, the Kingpin. Yeah,
1: that's one thing. I think that the show maybe took a misstep with breaking those three apart t- and then getting them back together later in the game like this. Just because I know it adds some stakes to everything. Yeah. But I I think that when we talk about like the Netflix lull that people kind of complain about, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think that could have been fixed with maybe a little bit of Greg Berlanti procedural stuff in some of this. Like h- how neat would it have been to see Matt, you know, defending a different superhero or, or maybe like I think that they kind of lost some of the court aspect of the show that could have been interesting. You know, like we talked about Matt using his superpowers. Like I would like to see him using it more in court to, to try and figure things out or, or maybe just take a random case here or there. To where it could extend things, and maybe you don't necessarily need to go at this breakneck pace of this crazy story that comes to a conclusion that you want to hit next on the uh, Netflix queue over and over again. That's very
0: interesting because, you know, we were so used to it. Well, I say used to it. It happened one or two times uh, in season one, and that mm -hmm. was cool.
1: Yeah, I think the one thing that probably is held him back from doing that was just that A, you weren't going to get any movie characters to come. Be in a court case or something and be you just didn't have the Netflix staple of people that he, you know you couldn't like season one you were going to have Jessica Jones or Luke Cage just pop in you know they hadn't even started those shows yet Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. um, you know I think that's why they got away from that and then the show just became something else but I think it's still something they could do down the line like I keep hoping that uh, we're going to get a TV like She-Hulk show where she is where most of it is just her being a lawyer for like other superheroes and and then every once in a while she has to go do some Hulk stuff too (laughs) Um, I think that would be like a great uh disney plus show down the line when they start doing more and more of these kind of tv slash movie things that they're doing like with winter soldier and falcon and hopefully when they start doing more stuff with these characters in a couple of years whatever their netflix embargo is up
0: yeah i think uh the time on that is two more years yeah, I think
1: it's two I don't know if it's 2 years from like the end of Jessica Jones or if it's like 2 years from the cancellation of each series. So that that might be why they they canceled them so quickly so they could kind of start the clock. And really it's like we wait long enough for some of these things to come out anyways. Like if we had to wait 3 years for Daredevil to come back, I don't think it would be so bad although I'm not I'm not sure they'll bring back this iteration or not since it's Disney Plus or and
0: you know yeah, they're probably going to be a little
1: more family friendly, but I don't know per- we'll see.
0: I'm personally not hopeful that we'll see Charlie Cox uh, again. I, you know, I but would we do hope... we
1: do we do live in this era of like reboots and bringing things back. Yeah. and Fuller House is getting like a like a third or fourth season and stuff. So you know, it's I think I feel like while there's no there's no guarantee of that, that it's also. They're more open to it more than ever and that they know that they'll get good press out of something like just just something as simple as being like, hey, we're bringing back Vincent D'Onofrio to play Kingpin to be like, whoa, really? You know, people would probably dig that, you know, because yeah. it's really like there's really only like, you know, heck, he's he's kind of the Kingpin, although I did love the end of the Spider-Verse version, too. I thought that was a great version of Kingpin.
0: <laughs> it was very realistic to a Senkovich drawing. And that's yeah, what I liked. I,
1: yeah, I, I, I always get goosebumps when I see something that I go, oh, that's straight from the comic book. Yeah. I love that.
0: <laughs> to, 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 yeah. When, 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 they, when they pull from the comic in a very um, obvious way to those who have actually read it, um, I always get a kind of a chill, for sure.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. Like I remember just weird things like, you know, with Marvel movies or something. I remember the first time I saw Wakanda, I was like, I never thought I'd see this in a movie. This is amazing. Like, no way. (laughs) Hey, you know, what's one thing rewatching this I wanted to mention, too, was that it's been really interesting. You know, I mentioned Father Lantham uh, you know, getting, you know, seeing his bond with Matt and understanding it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And then also seeing like the way sister Maggie treated him now, knowing that's like, oh, that's actually his mom, and maybe that's why she's being so harsh on him, because she's actually hates seeing him in this pain and everything. And, you know, the other thing I thought was good was just interesting is how well those actors kind of play that on the line because you can see it in their performance same with even just the fbi director lady that she uh you know you can tell like early on she keeps telling him like no you don't want to be a part of this and no Mm -hmm. i don't want and you can see that it's like she was trying to save nadim you know (laughs) the whole time and it's like oh yeah thanks a lot now you're involved too great yeah look at don't you feel great are you happy you forced the issue here and so i really think that that's one thing that people ask me like I had somebody recently ask me why, why do, why are these Marvel properties so popular? And I was like, well, they're just so well written. As like you see these character arcs, you see these progressions. I mean, rewatching it, I saw Dex say, "Oh, that's really hard." Like two or three times before you get to the episode where he gets the thing where the therapist teaches him to say, "Oh, yeah, that's so hard. That's really hard." You go, "Oh man, they were planting the seeds for this way down the line," which I always really appreciate a show that can put things in that they're like, "Oh, you didn't see that coming, did you?" Well, we've been pointing to it for three episodes now.
0: Yeah, there was there was that time in comics and. Quite honestly, I'm so far out of comics at this point. You know, I, I being brought in at a at a at a certain time, and <clears> but <throat> to go backwards when I was, you know, re, rebuilding my my Daredevil catalog, for instance, to know that there was a a certifiable mark where comics became uh, the the actions and the writing in the comics changed dramatically it was no longer big bad it was i'm 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 against myself and mm-hmm. that really brought home uh some especially especially in the case of daredevil like where you're fighting against yourself um mm-hmm. and 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 it was something that we all like even as like a kid i was like yeah i i get that like that 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 adhesive
1: hmm no, yeah, and it's funny because I'm the, I'm the same way. I mean, I used to spend every – up through about freshman year of high school, I spent every extra dollar I said was buying X-Men back issues because I thought I was going to collect the whole thing. And then one day one guy goes, you know, it's a shame because you you, well, you never will really complete the collection. And I thought about how much money it would cost to, to buy all of them. I was like, oh, that's a house. Yeah, I won't complete this collection, will I? That's ridiculous. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of more of a come-do-it you know, via something like this, like Daredevil, where I watched the first season and I knew about the character and stuff. And then I go back and maybe read some of the more famed things on Comicsology, or I'll buy the, to mm-hmm. buy the graphic novel itself. You know, I did that with uh, Umbrella Academy, you know, I, I buzzed through that, really enjoyed that. Then went back and read some of the comics and kind of enjoy seeing like, oh, this would have been neat if they brought this over from the comics or, oh, I like how they adapted this. So yeah, I think that there's, you know, you've really seen those, you know, I've kind of gone through those too, where I've first started reading those Chris Claremont X-Men ones where it's a lot of guys going, you know, thinking about using their powers every time they use it so that they're explaining to the reader how it works and everything and and going to more of a story-based thing of people thinking about their actions and how they actually – feel about being a superhero or yeah uh, you know you know spider-man or daredevil or anything and you know thinking about how there, there really is consequences to it now how it makes you feel i mean you know and it's especially double with matt because he's this kind of lapsed catholic that has this guilt you know i'm i i was raised i went to kindergarten through college was uh, catholic school for me so i know i know that uh, you know i know the playbook i've been there you know at mass with you know like with people like that where they have that thing you know where they have that kind of internal struggle with, you know, do I believe this? If do what, do what do I do? Do I do the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? That kind of stuff. And I think that people relate to that because you constantly wonder if you're doing the right thing, whether it's in your relationships or your family or your work or whatever. You're like, oh, I hope this is the right thing. And, you know, usually most of us try to do the right thing. That is.
0: <laughs> it's the most anti-Superman model. Mm-hmm. You know, we all look at Superman. We understand what what his modus operandi is and but to to actually bring it to uh a personal level makes all the difference mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely
1: I, th- I think that's how these shows really or these these marvel things really connect is they really connect with you on a personal level i mean when a movie like avengers endgame and you talk to people and they go oh, i was crying at the end it's like okay you're doing something right like i've never been tempted to cry at a dc movie you know?
0: <laughs> I, it's true I mean I I will say that I was close to the Brandon Routh version um when he came and and sat next to his son that was close mm-hmm. and then they mm-hmm. blew it but like it was that I that idea like you know and even uh with um uh Marlon Brando you know talking mm-hmm. about his son like mm-hmm. that that was huge like that that whole beginning actually I believe of that of, of that movie, um, when when the, when Krypton explodes, I thought was was really heartfelt. And then they blew it.
1: Mm-hmm. No, yeah, that's no, funny you mentioned that. I actually liked that that Superman Returns movie. I I always thought it was kind of weird how much guff it got. I thought it was I thought it was pretty entertaining.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I and I thought there were emotional beats there that, that just were fantastic.
1: And that's coming from a non-Superman guy growing yeah. up. Well, well, while I say I was a Marvel guy, you know, growing up, Batman '89 was my jam. I was six years old; it was like the best thing in the world. Yeah. And I would get into arguments with my dad, who was not a comic book guy. Who would go faster than a locomotive, more powerful than a than a speeding locomotive, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I would go, hey, no, you know, screw. As all well, Batman would have kryptonite in his pocket and he would be done so i was like sorry and i thought superman was always boring to me but that's why i was always surprised that movie got so much shit because i yeah. thought "Hey, this isn't so bad that's pretty good yeah
0: <laughs> it's a shame and then they turned him into a cw character which uh, that, that's <laughs> neither here nor there that's all water under the bridge um so landing the plane sam it has been mm. an absolute great journey talking about karen with you
1: well i hope i added a little uh, additional insight I'm, I'm glad to be here i really enjoyed it and you know if you guys need me for any more i'll always be around
0: <laughs> that's the beauty of having people that are interested in something that's just a little off the uh normal populace of trains
1: <laughs> yeah i just i just hope i had something interesting to add to the conversation that's all <laughs> uh
0: Don't you worry about that. I think uh, we will get much praise and admiration for the fact that even another Daredevil just came out. So that's, that's neither here nor there.
1: Yeah, no. So enjoy your slow burn. You know, I like I said, I, as, as somebody who's had a lot of things end this year, I kind of enjoy like I, that I have a, still another season of Iron Fist and about another 12 episodes of Punisher to get through. And, I'm you know, it's kind of one of those things where you're like, eh, I'm not going to see these for a long time, so I might as well slow it down instead of burning through it so fast that you can't tell one episode
0: from the other. Right. The only, you know, I I think I've watched three episodes of the new Punisher. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm a big fan of Punisher, don't get me wrong um for some reason i'm holding back on that and i don't know exactly why
1: yeah no it's it, that's what i mean it's 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 good but it's also kind of you know i think it's probably the parlor to that is that it's a little less comic booky than the other things the punisher is really just a guy with guns against other guys with guns mm-hmm. and so you know for me like while i still enjoy it and i i i, I like it it's still it's not quite the same as maybe getting to see you know, Matt do something really cool or see, you know, Luke Cage or Jessica Jones, you know, do something that nobody else can do. I, th- I think that maybe loses a little bit part of that. And yeah. Then he's uh, He doesn't have the most interesting villains in the world either. That made, I thought it was a bummer they took away uh, Micro. Oh, don't get I
0: couldn't
1: believe he didn't come back
0: for season two. I I'm like, he was one of the
1: best parts of the first season. It was entirely
0: buddy-oriented at that point. hmm they were such a perfect, like,
1: both kind of assholes but the right type to rub each other the wrong way in the right direction
0: yes (laughs) why would you want to get rid of that
1: yeah no and it's not like i've seen that guy jumping up on a bunch of other shows so i have to imagine it was a creative decision and not like a contract or anything
0: (laughs) piss poor
1: yeah, well, that you know, you try things; they're not all home runs, but you know, I th- I think for the most part, these these Netflix guys do a great job. I know that sometimes we can be a little critical on these shows because we're you know really trying to break down everything that we see in them and everything. Right. We but don't want, but we, don't want,
0: most, we don't want we don't want full Syracuse. It.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> but I
1: still you know I still love them, and that's why I that's why I look over with a fine tooth comb because you really want to. They put so much detail in it, you really want to catch everything, and that's why I say the the true. Uh, like the true measuring stick of a show is how many times you can rewatch it and still notice new things.
0: So, Sam, when uh, people want to get in touch with you to uh, express their negativity on Twitter and whatnot, where can they find you?
1: Well, they can find me at Samuel J. Adams. And you actually have to spell out the J-A-Y, like Homer J. Simpson. hmm um, so at Samuel J Adams on Twitter, uh, I believe it's the same for Instagram too. You can see some of my, uh, I, I do a little bit of comic book art for the, uh, specials board down at the bar and I usually post it on there. So you can see some fun stuff on there, but yeah, if you want to, if you want to yell at me and get in a little Twitter war about, uh, you know, if Karen, <laughs> if, if Karen should have felt guilty about this episode or not, feel free. I, I enjoy the, uh, I enjoy the back and forth. So bring it on.
0: <laughs> Very nice. That's, that's what I like to hear. Somebody who's willing to put gloves on and get in the ring Mm -hmm. yeah it's fun you
1: know as long as you know as long as nobody's nobody's feelings gets hurt it's all good fun that's right
0: (laughs) it's not about feelings it's about comics just calm down
1: yeah exactly you know it's it's one of those things it's yeah everybody everybody loves them it all comes from a place of love so
0: (laughs) well folks it has been an honor and a pleasure as always and we will talk to you soon